0: So we're going to be in, back in the book of Matthew this morning. We're in week 11 of the book of Matthew. Uh, we're in Matthew chapter 6. And next week, I'm going to, we're going to pause Matthew again to do some New Year's stuff. And then we'll be back in Matthew for who knows how long. It's a long book. I'm loving this. And it's been super applicable to the situation in the world right now, which is amazing how that happens in the Bible everywhere okay that things are applicable not just at the time when they were written but now in our life right now and so we're gonna look at Matthew 6 and here Jesus takes aim at hypocrites or hypocrisy specifically and I just want to say up front nobody likes a hypocrite okay everybody hypocrites are despised universally the world around okay um in fact I think I think at least in my estimation it's the number one accusation leveled against Christians by people who are not Christians. is the, I'm sure you've heard this. The, I don't go to church because the church is full of hypocrites. Uh, the problem with that is, of course, the world is full of hypocrites too, right? Everybody is prone to hypocrisy. And so I want, I want all of us to take a minute and, and resist the temptation to think of hypocrites as other people as people that are other than yourself <laughs> right that itself is hypocrisy okay so let's let Jesus' words this morning before i even read them let's let his words penetrate us in our own hearts and not respond to his admonition against hypocrisy by being hypocritical and pointing at other people yeah i don't like hypocrites maybe you're a hypocrite too Okay, and so that's that's the big question I want to put to you before we even start, um, to just lower your defenses a little bit. Okay, and so um, just a quick review because it's important. In chapter five, Jesus has been giving us very clear um, directives and pressure. To be honest, to be righteous people, to live righteously, to live the way He lives. Okay, in fact, he ends chapter 5 with a command to be perfect, okay? And we talked about that, I think it was, you know, not last week, but the week before last, about it's a future tense perfection, yes, but it's still be a command to be perfect, okay? And this is what Jesus is after, because Jesus himself was perfect, and he has made a way for us to eventually be perfect ourselves. That Can you believe that? Right? No. Now, right now, you're not perfect, all right? But there is hope for you and me, and our hope is not that one day we will get it right. Our hope is that Jesus has gotten it right, and he is getting it right in us, okay? And so that that was chapter 5, and I want to read chapter 5, verses 14 and 16, because those verses directly connect to what we're going to read next, okay? So let's go back and read that, Matthew 5, 14 through 16. It says, You are the light of the world. Okay, so in case you forgotten, this is Jesus teaching and he's talking essentially to us, the church. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. So Jesus is commanding us to live righteously and to do it in view of the world around us. Okay? In other words, your, your faith and your following Jesus, your Christianity is not meant to be this private, personal thing. It's meant to be public. The reason it's meant to be public is because this is the primary strategy that Jesus gives us for evangelizing the world. It's not tracts. It's not... Anything else, his primary strategy, well, I'd say there's two. One is this living, doing good deeds, good works, acting like Jesus, being righteous people in public. And the other is preaching. Jesus talks about preaching, Paul talks about preaching. That's publicly declaring the gospel. Okay, so this is really important, right? And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Our faith is not personal and private, it's meant to be public and radically different than the world around us. But there is a danger, okay? And he's going to talk about that danger right here in chapter 6. And by the way, if you would like notes and you didn't get the email with the link, the link to the notes is also in the description of this video. If you like to follow along, you can. All right, Matthew chapter 6. Just start with verse 1. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people, In order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Okay? Now, there's no conflict. It may look like it at first, but there's not really any conflict between what he just said and what we just read in chapter 5 about doing good deeds in front of other people. Okay? Four observations that make that true. Okay? One, Jesus is not separating internal righteousness from external acts of righteousness. Okay, it's not like there's two different kinds of righteousness. There's righteousness inside and that's real, and righteousness is outside and that's not real. The Bible never does that. Okay, um, you're supposed to be righteous through and through. Okay, if your your insides should match your outsides, and your outsides should match your insides. Ex- outside righteousness should come from internal righteousness. Okay. It's not like there's two different kinds and somehow the internal righteousness is more important. God wants us to be righteous in our hearts and he wants us to act righteously outside, okay? They're not two separate things. Some English translations kind of make this unclear in this verse, um, but the righteousness Jesus is talking about here is the same as what he was talking about in chapter five, right? Um, All of those commands to be holy to be perfect and to turn the other cheek and be generous and be all the you know be righteous people that's the righteousness Jesus is talking about here in chapter six And he says don't do it in front of other people in order to be seen by them okay so second observation is internal righteousness is not different from external righteousness already said that Um, if you're righteous you will be righteous internally and externally okay Sir, Jesus is not is also not saying that if someone thanks you, then you get no reward from the Father. I've heard that a lot. I've heard this verse quoted many, many times in my life, or or partially quoted, as if to, like if when you thank somebody for doing something for you. So, some maybe somebody you know prays for you and it really blesses you, and you say, "Hey, thanks for praying for me. that. Really touched me." And they say, "Oh, no, no, don't thank me. That's you've just given me my reward." All right. That's not all what Jesus is saying, okay? It's completely misunderstanding his point, all right? Don't do that. Be, let people thank you, number one. Receive gratitude from people. That's encouraging, all right? Encouragement is important. We all need it, okay? Also, don't hesitate to thank people and be grateful to other people, When they serve you or bless you or minister to you in some way, that's a godly thing. Gratitude is a godly thing, and we should express it, and we should be encouragers to each other, okay? That is not what Jesus is after here, okay? Um, What Jesus is dealing with here is the motivation of the heart. Why do you want your good deeds to be seen by the world around you? They should be seen, but why? What's your motivation? Jesus is pointing out our terrible propensity for selling our righteousness for the praise of other people. Instead of being content with praise from the Father, the more righteous we are, the more we are tempted to use that for self-promotion and praise. So when, when at the more righteous we are, the more holy our actions are, the more generous we are, the more we pray for other people, the more we do things that are good— the more tempted we often are to to trade that or prostitute that righteousness for the praise of people instead of just receiving God's gratitude and thanks for that. God honors us when we do righteous things. That's amazing. Okay. Gratitude for the service and ministry of others is a holy feeling. You should feel gratitude. Thanking someone for being a blessing to you is also a great thing to do. Learning to receive the encouragement of of others is also a godly thing. In fact, I would say not being able to receive encouragement from others is often a sign of hypocrisy. Right? So what is not godly is allowing our motivation for serving others to become the praise of others. Like serving other people because we want them to thank us or be impressed by us or go, wow, you're so righteous and holy and humble, right? (laughs) The weirdest thing in the world, right? The hardest compliment I think to take or to know how to respond to is when someone says you're humble, right? These are hard things for us, but they shouldn't be. Jesus is saying that the be righteous, even be perfect, chapter five, verse 48, but be careful that you do not sell your righteousness for the praise of people. When you do that, you forfeit your righteousness. You're no longer being righteous when you use your righteousness to get praise from other people. All right. Then he gives us three examples. We're not going to do all of them this morning um, because each one requires, I think, some, some real talking about. Um, he talks about alms, generosity to the poor. We'll talk about that this morning. Um, prayer and fasting. Three, the three foundational acts of piety in Jewish culture and really still are. Okay, the things that impress people the most, okay, um, is when you have a, if you're a great prayer, especially public prayer. Jesus points out when you're very generous, and when you do a lot of self-sacrifice, specifically fasting. Okay, so let's look at alms or generosity first. Matthew six two to four. This is Jesus' first example of this kind of righteousness for the sake of people's praise. All right. He says this, Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Okay, so these hypocrites were making a big show of their giving, right? They were taking large sums of money. They were going publicly on the street to the giving box, right? And they were making a lot of noise and drawing a lot of attention to show how much they were dropping in the offering box. They wanted it to be impressive. They wanted to show people how generous they were. Okay, so let's two things that ought to be obvious but I think aren't. One, generosity is good. Jesus is not saying don't be generous. Generosity is not just good. It's a command from God to be generous. We just read that in chapter five from Jesus, okay? Generosity for the sake of praise is hypocrisy. And the problem there is not the generosity. The problem there is the motivation for it, okay? The motivation, which is for the sake of praise and impressing other people. Jesus says this amazing phrase: "Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing." Of course, this is impossible in a literal sense. He's not being literal; he's saying, uh, you know, like of course, if you if you do something with your left hand, your you, your right hand knows, right, that you're doing it. Jesus is saying that we cannot we cannot be trusted with our own generosity, right, because we'll have, get a big head about it. We'll think. Wow, we're really having an impact. In fact, we're having a bigger impact than people who are not as generous as we are. He's saying that hypocrisy is subtle. It's so subtle that sometimes you don't even know you're doing it. Sometimes your own motives are hidden to you. So make your generosity as secret as you can make it. If you could find a way to be generous without yourself knowing it, you should. If you could hide your generosity from yourself, you should do it. Of course you can't, not completely. So make it as secret as you can, because you are dangerous to you. Your heart is dangerous to you. It wants to twist your generosity, twist your righteousness into something that is prideful and self-serving instead of actually generous of heart, actually humble, and actually with the intention of actually serving people and pleasing God, right? Let's talk a minute about hypocrisy because I think it's important before we go any farther. All hypocrisy is play acting. it's us pretend. In fact, originally the Greek word for hypocrite meant actor. You're pretending. You're being an actor. You're, you're, you're acting pious. You're acting holy when actually you're not. Hypocrisy can be subtle and it can be sneaky. Don Carson, in his awesome commentary on the Sermon on the Mount, which I've mentioned to you before, points out that there are three different kinds of hypocrisy. I think this is great. Um, One, this is the knowing hypocrite. Um, These are my titles. He didn't give them these titles. Um, The knowing hypocrite. This is the individual that pretends to be good but is actually evil. This is sort of the classic form, the simplest form of hypocrisy. These were the Pharisees and Sadducees who would often try to trap Jesus, ask him some tricky question in public, trying to get him to— Make an error so they could catch him in some inconsistency. Incons- they were knowingly being deceitful. Okay. These hypocrites knew they were being deceptive, but they would justify it with some form of this is for the greater good argument. Well, we are being deceitful, but he's really terrible and he's dangerous to our way of life and to our to the sanctity of our community. So we're gonna be deceitful, but that's for the greater good because the greater good is showing everybody what a, a liar Jesus is, okay? That's how they would justify it. And this is the typical hypocrite, right? Well, I wouldn't say typical, I'd say the most basic form, okay? Second is the obvious hypocrite, the one that everybody can spot. This is the one that people tend to be upset about the most, right? This is the individual that is genuinely prideful about his gifts and blind to his faults. He is so puffed up that he cannot see his feelings. He will be judgmental and harsh to those around him and may be genuinely unaware of his own hypocrisy. This is the guy who walks around with his nose up in the air and actually thinks he's really mature and really holy, and really good, doesn't see his glaring faults at all, and he's harsh and judgmental towards other people. All right, Jesus actually addresses this type of hypocrisy in chapter seven, one through five, which we'll get to when we get to chapter seven. This is the one that everybody, nobody likes this guy, unless they're also like him. Everybody sees it. They go, wow, he's really a jerk, but how does he not see that he's a jerk? He's so into himself, right? That person is the obvious hypocrite. And then the third, which is more subtle, the subtle hypocrite, this individual has deluded himself into believing that his motives are pure, but he is only self-deceived. And here's a quote from Carson's book on the Summer on the Mount. He says, "The, the kind of hypocrisy involved in Matthew 6, verse 2, is more subtle than either of the other two that I just mentioned. In this case, the hypocrite has talked himself into believing that at heart he is conducting himself with the best interests of the needy in mind. He may thus be unaware of his own hypocrisy. Moreover, the needy themselves are not likely to complain. They will be touchingly grateful and contribute to the giver's self-delusion. And all but the most discerning of onlookers will speak appreciatively of the philanthropist's deed, for all acknowledge that giving is good, which it is. Right? Jesus' prescription of giving in secret, release as secretly as possible, is a helpful preventative from even so this, this subtle form of hypocrisy, okay? Because you're you're cutting off the the possibility of people being impressed by you and you're being generous in secret. So no one can praise you for it. This is why Jesus says, if you can do if you can do if you can give in a way where your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing, then by all means do it. I should say an overly little literal approach to this is not good. It won't do. However, being cautious about your own ability to deceive yourself regarding your own motives is healthy and it's good. Okay, One of the things I love about the way the church is set up and the way God talks about giving and tithing and all of that is it separates people. It allows people to give individually to the church and then the church can give to people. And it eliminates some of that problem right? It's a cool thing, the way God said this. has been that way since the Old Testament. Um, then Jesus talks about prayer. This is chapter 6, verses 5 to 6. Again, this is another example, like giving to the needy, right? Giving of alms. This is another example of a place where we can become hypocrites. Matthew 6, 5 and 6, he says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites." For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus is making the same point here about prayer that he just made about generosity. He's, he, Jesus prayed in public, Okay. The issue here, again, is not about if you pray in public or pray in private. Jesus prayed in public, but he prayed more in private. If you look at his prayers, he prayed most. Most of his time spent in prayer was in private, and he prayed occasionally in public, okay? So it's not a prohibition against all praying in public. Again, it's about the motivation. Why are you doing it? This is a prohibition against public prayer that is done for the purpose of impressing everyone in attendance with your eloquence and your piety. Obviously, a person can refuse to pray in public because they are also overly concerned with not impressing everyone with their eloquence and piety. Both are hypocrisy. Okay? So you don't get out, you don't get a got a jail free car because you don't like to pray in public, you go, well, that means I don't have that problem. Maybe the reason you're refusing to pray in public is you were also too concerned about what people think of you. One seeks to impress by doing something in public, the other seeks to impress by not doing something in public. Both at the root of it is hypocrisy and pride. It's hard, isn't it? This is also, I would say, not a prohibition against praying eloquently okay? I think praying boldly and publicly, one of the things that does, and we'll talk about this more when we get into the Lord's Prayer next week, is it builds the faith and confidence of other people who might be shy or need to be encouraged. I love it when my friend Vic Spencer prays. I think we can all raise our hands and say amen to that. If you ever been in a prayer meeting with Vic Spencer, it's encouraging because when he prays, it just, man, it fills my heart with encouragement. It always does. It's how, it's a gift he has, all right? Jesus is not saying don't be that person, all right? <laughs> Jesus is saying don't pray in public because you want people to be impressed by you. Instead, just be someone who prays and wants God to listen to them, okay? Okay. All right, so let's, I'm going to ask you in, to conclude five, and we, I could think of more, um, but I'm just going to go with five kind of self-diagnosis questions. Like I said, that third type of hypocrisy is so subtle because it's self-deception. It's when your motives are hidden from you and you've deceived yourself into thinking you're being holy when you're not. And so these are some questions I think you can ask yourself kind of before God asking the Holy Spirit to help you be honest with yourself It might help you diagnose whether or not you're being hypocritical or not, all right? First question, when you obey God by serving in some way, how much does it bother you if no one knows you did it? More specifically, how much does it bother you if no one notices that it happened at all? So it's one thing to do some nice thing to bless someone or to bless the church or whatever. <clears throat> and everyone's amazed and, and so blessed and talking about, wow, this cool thing. And I wonder who did it. That's one thing, right? It's another thing if you do something that is so hidden that only God sees it, that people don't even know that it happened at all. That's the way prayer is, like intercessory, private. When you pray for other people privately, only God knows you even did it, right? So how much does it bother you if that happens? Number three, do you allow nervousness or stage fright to keep you from doing public ministry? I want to be clear, nervousness and stage fright aren't wrong. Everybody gets nervous, okay? That's not what I'm, but do you allow those things to keep you from obeying God and using your gifts. I would argue that's a kind of reverse hypocrisy, right? Still being overly concerned with your appearance instead of being concerned about obeying God and serving. After doing some form of public ministry, do you spend hours or days after obsessing over what people thought of what you did or said? Boy, I'm guilty of that one. Let me just confess it to you. Many times, many, many times have I been guilty of that. It's a sign of some level of hypocrisy in your heart. And fifth is critique or direction after public ministry devastating to your confidence. And It always stings to be criticized, even if it's done in this really great, loving, grace-filled way by someone you trust and care about, right, and that you know cares about you. It always stings a little bit, okay? But the question is, is it devastating, (laughs) right? Does it take you a long time to recover? Well, I'm never doing that again because I did it wrong. I'm never doing that again because I got corrected. I'm never doing that again because I didn't get as much positive feedback as I wanted or felt like I needed, so I'm never doing it again. That is a sign that there's some hypocrisy in your heart concerning your motivation that Jesus is addressing here in these verses. Now, it's important here to notice that Jesus never says anything like, if you can't be generous with the right heart, don't be generous. Or if you don't pray with the right heart, don't pray. The command is to pray. The command is to be generous. And we're never told, well, if you, until you can do it right, until you can do it with the right heart, you shouldn't do it all. Do it at all. I've heard people say this, musicians say this about uh, leading worship. It's a real mistake. Well, if I can't do it with the the right heart and not be concerned about what people think of me when I'm helping lead worship on the worship team, then I'm not going to do it at all. Hogwash, right? Obey God and use your gift. Do it. Just continually be in a state of repentance about your hypocrisy because I think all of us or at least 99% of us struggle with this on some level. Instead of abstaining from these things, why not just walk in continual repentance over it, right? Because I think the more righteous we are, the better we're doing, the more gifted we are, the stronger the temptation will be, to prostitute that righteousness for the praise of people. And it'll be a continuous thing we have to guard ourselves against where we work and we take great go to great lengths to make sure our left hand doesn't know what our right hand is doing, right? That's what we're after, because we have to never get to the point where we totally trust our motivations, right? So I want to pray, and I just want to encourage you to do a couple things. One is to, if you have been not using your gifts, whatever those gifts may be, because you somehow think you'll get a big head I just want to encourage you to stop doing that and start using your gift anyway. But also I want to lead us in just a prayer of repentance that we would be the kind of people that are righteous inside and outside, right? That our insides would match our outsides and our outsides would match our insides, amen? Let's pray together. God, just thank you for all the gifts you've given us. God, I pray that you would God, if any of us are uh, too embarrassed or too shy or too hesitant because they're afraid of how they'll look or what people will think, God, I pray that you would push us out. God, that the world would actually see our righteousness, that it would be visible to the world, and God, that that visibility, that that visible righteousness would be an inspiration for people to be drawn to Jesus. And God, I pray that you would help us with the motivation in our hearts. God, that we would not be frustrated when people don't see what we do. That we would not be frustrated when people don't even see that we, anyone did anything, right? God, that we would be people who are truly humble and just want to please you. God, that you would put it in our hearts that if you're pleased with us, God, then we don't care about the rest of the world. God, that your pleasure and your delight in us would be enough for us. Help us never to forfeit our righteousness for the praise of other people. God, we repent of that and ask you to help us with this. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. I love you guys. Hope you're doing great. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time.